Good morning, FCC. How are we doing today? Good, awesome. So glad to be here with you today. I'm excited to uh, kick it off a new series, uh, Life According to Jim, affectionately known as uh, the book of James. Uh, so if you're new to Christianity or you're uh, kind of new to this whole thing, um, basically what it is is that there's uh, letters that were um, written to a group of people um, about 2,000 years ago um, that would be able to... Um, through uh, what we believe God speaking through uh, in his Holy Spirit to individuals to write down uh, letters to Christians like me and you. Um, like those of us in this room that uh, profess uh, Jesus to be our Lord and King, this would be people that we would um, identify with and we hear from and God preserved those letters to be able to get us to us today. And what better one than to start out with a letter uh, written from uh, the uh, brother of Jesus, the younger brother of Jesus, which is pretty wild. It's pretty uh, cool perspective. I, I love this book. It's one of my favorite books of the New Testament, um, and, and partly because can you imagine for a minute what it would be like being the younger brother of Jesus? How many times would you have heard, Jim, why don't you act more like your brother? Right? Like, have you ever thought about that? It's like, man, you imagine growing up in that household, you know, like, you see your older brother, and so like he always set the stage for everything in the future. He's like, you know, why can't you just be more like your bro? Like, why is it that you have to be the way that you are? Like, you just feel that. And there's so much complexity within him and, and within James that he shares from, from experience in watching his brother, from being a skeptic to what Jesus was trying to do to actually becoming a servant, a follower of it. It's just a powerful book. And so over the next eight weeks, we're gonna be like a, um, like a workout for your soul. Like James just tells it as it is. And so he writes this group of people and now we get to hear those truths applied to our lives and it's gonna be fun together. But uh, this first one is pretty heavy uh, in the way he's gonna be talking about trials and pain and struggle. And uh, I thought what a better way to share on this truth than a week after there's been so much pain and heartache, not only within our own personal life, but with what's taking place in Florida, with uh, my in-laws were right just north of what everything that happened and uh, a lot of the church family I had down there that we loved on for years. And so let me start out by praying for uh, this series and for them in their time of need. So let's pray together. Uh, God, I, uh, we come to you now, Lord, uh, amazed that you spoke your word to, um, through your Holy Spirit to James to pin down specific words for us to know today. And oh Lord, allow those apply to situations and problems like the one which we saw and experienced with the hurricane down in Florida. God, we pray right now for those that are in um, deep desperation um, and struggle. God, I know there's uh, many people down there that I know and love that are chasing after helping one another. Lord, would you uh, rise up an army to love them and care for them? Lord, would we um, continue to support and to pray with those who need it? And Lord, would you... Um, just use this church and however you see fit to care for those in need. Uh, Lord, right now I know there's a lot of people in this room that though there hasn't been a hurricane that we got hit by um, other than a little bit of rain, they've had a hurricane in their life um, and they're honestly struggling right now, God. So would you open up our hearts and our minds to let us hear from your word today? Uh, Lord, help us through this series. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 
All right, so um, if, if James were to ask a question to start out this book, he didn't, but if he did, I think that question uh, would go something like this. He was, he was writing to this group of people. They were all uh, Jewish uh, Christians. They all followers of Jesus. Um, but what took place for them is that uh, Stephen, one of their leaders, uh, was murdered for uh, claiming that Jesus was God and that he was um, God in flesh. And because of that proclamation and not um, changing his mind on that, uh, he was actually uh, killed. And so it sent the people that were like him scattering. It was like, oh, if you were willing to kill Stephen, you'd be willing to kill me. And so they were running from their homes. They were running from the people they loved and they knew. They were scattering all over. And they were in a situation of pain when he was writing to them. This was about 10 to 16 years after the um, resurrection of Jesus. And so this would be the question I believe that James would be asking them to consider in the midst of their trials, it would be this. Is there purpose in your pain? Is there purpose? See, a lot of us, I think we, we've, we're honest, whether it's the situation happening in Florida right now um, to the own hurricanes in our own life. A lot of times when we, we have severe pain or something happens that um, really takes over our life and makes us struggle, it's natural for us to ask the question, like, why God? Like, what's going on? Or even, perhaps, are you even there? Do you see me? Do you care? Maybe you've had things in your life that's happened that you're like, man, I just, what possibly good could come from this? And maybe you're there right now. If, if you've never been there, hang tight. Because if you live long enough, you're gonna bleed. It's just a broken world. It's a Genesis 3 reality. It's like we are in a broken world, and so the world is broken around us, and we're going to experience pain. But the question is, is there purpose in it? And could there even be joy found in the midst of it? This is where we're going to today. To get us in the right mindset and to think through it properly, I wanted to um, uh, share with you kind of an epiphany moment for me um, that took place um, with my kiddos. Um, so uh, to understand kind of this whole purpose and pain and the perspective of the father, I, I was just thinking of myself as, as dad and, and this moment that really encapsulated things for me in the midst of pain. So it, it took place um, a, a year or two ago. Um, and uh, so I don't know about you guys, but when I found out that I was going to be a dad, um, and uh, especially a dad of a girl um, to have a daughter, um, I, I wanted to be the best dad I could be. I think a lot of us guys in the room, women as best moms you could be, I think we'd identify well for that. The, the secondary motivation, that was primary, the secondary motivation is I wanted to be her favorite in the household. All right, so I'm not saying I should, I'm not saying that you ought to do this, I'm just saying for me, I just kind of want to be the favorite. Like, I just kind of want to be the one in which when she gets a boo-boo, daddy takes care of boo-boos. Like, you know, when, when you're hurt, daddy picks you up. When you're, when you're struggling, daddy's the one I look to. Like, if you need provision, daddy's got it. If you need protection, daddy's got it. I just want to be, I just want, I'm not saying a long way in the lead, just a little further in the lead than my wife. Like, not, I'm, not, I'm not a vast, just enough to go, just the favorite. That's all. That's just chasing after that. I'm not saying it's right. Just saying that's what I was feeling. So things were going great. I'm killing it, by the way, okay? I mean, look, look at this. All right, this, this just to give you a, a, a visual of this. Like this is me, like she, I'm 
daddy's girl. She looks to me with things, with problems were happening. She would look to me as daddy's got me. Like she just had this, we walked together. She would just let me hold her. We just journeyed together. It was just amazing. It's awesome. And then this one evening, she gets really sick. Um, more sick than I'd seen her or even my son Isaac um, get before where um, it was in the midst of COVID stuff going on. And she got so sick that she was coughing so nonstop that it was making her vomit. It was making her get sick. And then by vomiting, it made her cry. And by crying, it made her cough. By coughing, made her get sick. And over and over and over and over and over. And we're sitting there. It's, it's late at night. We're like, what do we do? We can't. She's getting sick constantly. She's coughing and can't stop. Seems like she's struggling to catch her breath. Like it's just panic time, right? So what do I do? Daddy's got this. I'll pick her up. We're going to the ER. Like we're going to the um, the uh, kids' urgent care. So let's let's go. We're going right now. So we hop in the car, and I'm like, Steph, fine, you can come too. Like my wife can come too. It's fine. I mean, secondary, but you know, fine. So she can come, bring the kids. It's cool. So we we go to the doctor's office, and of course, it's not like, hey, we rock paper scissors. Who wants to bring her in? No. Remember, daddy's got it. So daddy goes, picks her up, and like, all right, I'll be in a minute. I'll be back. So we go take the girl. I'm going in there to go get it. I'm talking to her and whispering the whole time. Like, I know it's true. I mean, we got, it's just mess. Like, she's vomiting on me. It's like, it's terrible. And like, I'm like, I've got you. Like, we're going to do it together. Your daddy's going to fix this. So we go marching through there. We're like, she can't stop. This is what's going on. They're like, they rush us back to there. And they're like, okay, so here's the thing. Um, we got to get her this, this breathing mask treatment on her immediately. She's going to hate it. Um, it's going to be like your, it's, it's going to be like you're restricting her breath, but it's actually helping her breathe. But she won't understand that. But we got to keep it on her face tight and she's going to resist and she's going to hate it. So just be ready. And I was like, cool. <laughs> like you go do that and bring her back after you fixed her. Like I didn't come this way for me to have to do anything. You do it. And she was like, Mm-mm, you hold her. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm the favorite. I'll go get mom. I'll be back. Like, you know, but they're like, no, we got to do it now. And I'm like, I mean, years of effort to be the favorite. And in this moment, we're going to blow it. So I'm grabbing, I'm wrapping her arms around her. And like, I have to like, I'm, at first I start like this. I'm like, okay, baby, listen, I'm, I'm telling her, I'm like, I promise you, this is good, baby. It's going to make you feel better. This is best for you. This is best for you, baby. Just trust daddy, okay? And they put this thing on her and she hates it. I mean, blood red, raged, arched back, swinging the head back, arms wailing. I mean, I'm, I'm crossed my legs over her legs, wrapped her like this. All I can do to hold this girl together. I mean, I am all in. I mean, I'm soaking, stopping with 10 minutes of this. And I could see the look in her eyes from that look of daddy's got me to a look of daddy, what's wrong with you? Like, don't you understand my scream? Don't you understand that what you're doing right now is, is hurting me? It's, it's hard. Why are you letting this happen to me? And she was looking at me. I'm like, man, I, and I'm, I'm whispering in her ear. I'm like, baby, I promise you it's going to be best for you. I promise this is best for you. I know it doesn't seem like it. I know it's hard in the moment, but you've got to trust me. I got you, baby. I'm not letting you. You're going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And then I was telling her, I was like, never again. Your mommy's going to be the one that takes you to the doctor. I will never do this again. Uh, you'll never see daddy do this. Like I'm, I'm telling her all these things. And like, and so I'm just telling her all these promises. And in the midst of it all, in the midst of me holding her back, and that 10 minutes, in my mind, I'm going, how many times has our God been going, I know it doesn't seem like it. I know it doesn't feel like it. I know it feels even distant right now. But me wrapping her up 
I've never been closer to her in my life than that moment. Even though she didn't understand, daddy knew best. And see, this is what I wanted for her. I wanted her to know in the moment. She was not there. She couldn't understand it yet. But I wanted her to know in the moment, this is because daddy loves you. Not because I'm trying to hurt you or punish you. It's because I care about you and I know this will be best for you. But for us as mature followers of a heavenly God, as, 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 as followers of him and the challenge that James is saying is, to listen, you need to know in the moment of being wrapped up in pain, it is possible for there to be joy found in it. This is what I want to show you. This is what we're going to see today. James is going to show us these things. Joy in pain is possible. He's going to show us three ways. The joy in pain is possible when there is purpose, when there's a promise, because between purpose and promise, it'll change your perspective. Joy in pain is possible when there is purpose because of a promise. It'll change your perspective. And within that shift, you'll find joy. You'll find it. So like I said, book of James, we're going to get going in it right away. And, and the breakdown of this book, of who he's writing to again, was Christian believers who were under persecution, un, under some trials and struggles, and they were having a hard time. And they were feeling squeezed. They were feeling squeezed out. They were feeling like this, this risen Messiah was supposed to be the king, and now we're running for our lives. How is this possible? What is this going on? And James meets them right where they are. Check this out. James 1 starts out this way. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I love that. So, so we read in Mark that James and his family actually went to go get Jesus because they thought he was losing his marbles because he was the Messiah and doing miracles and all these things. And so as family members, they were trying to go, they were skeptical of who Jesus said he was being, right? But they went from a skeptic and then now he sees them as, I'm a servant of Lord Jesus Christ, of God and Lord Jesus Christ, like this change of perspective for the servant. And I'm always wondering, like, what would it take for me and you to see our sibling as God in the flesh? You ever thought about that? Like, do you know what it would take for me to think that my brother is God in the flesh? You know, like, do you, like, specifically, like, what it would take? So I'll, I figured it out. The only thing you have to do is predict your own death. After you die, three days later, crawl out of the grave and then have a fish, fish sandwich with me and then we're good. Like, I'll, then I'm like, all right, cool, you're God. It's like, like that, other than that, I don't think it's going to go. But that's what happened with James is like Jesus died. He predicted his death. He died. He rose again three days later. And then he had a fish. I don't know if it's sandwich. We had fish with him. And like, like he appeared to him. And then, yeah. So then he went. Now this one that I follow to the point we find out later in, histor in historical documents that James, all the way to his death, he was beaten to death for this belief. And he never wavered from saying Jesus is Lord. Such a powerful powerful reality. Anyways, so he was a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. To the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. This 12 tribes is basically saying all of the Jewish Christians. So all of you out there, this is just another way of saying all of you out there, greetings. And then he shifts it real quick. Doesn't hold, hold back at all. Consider it pure. And I love that phrase there, pure. It's like this isn't half-hearted. This isn't unproper. This is pure in this purest form, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. It's a frustrating verse, right? Because it's like, I'm supposed to think of it as joy? 
whenever you face trials of many kinds, it's like, well, what about the kind of trial that was self-inflicted? Yeah, that one too. What about the trial that was caused by someone else? Yep. What about the trial of natural disaster? Uh Uh-huh. Consider it pure joy. Well, that makes you go, well, how? How am I supposed to do that, God? I'm, I'm open to it, but like, what do we, how do I get there? And sees, see purpose. This is the way it continues. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. He's saying, okay, here's your purpose. Pure joy. And when you, if you want pure joy, all right, and you want to be able to make that happen in your life, you want to have joy in the pain. It's because of a purpose, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that, there's the purpose statement, this is the why, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You're saying, okay, this is why you can consider it pure joy. It's because God's not finished yet. There's a purpose behind the pain. There's a reason why you're going through it. One of these reasons why you're going through it is that you may develop a faith that has a perseverance to it. That even though you've been tested, and it does test you, right? I mean, if you've been in pain, if you've had struggle, like legit struggle, you know that tests you. It makes you start questioning, do I actually believe this? But if you make it through it, and you realize that God's in it, and all around it, and for it, that that, that through the pain and through the trial, you can start seeing that this is actually maturing you and helping you get to a complete space, not lacking in anything. So uh, think about it this way. All right, so Jesus, uh, Jesus, before he began ministry uh, here uh, on earth, when he was here, before he launched into the ministry of, of going and, and chasing after the sick and healing people and miracles and prophetics and teachings, before he did the disciples and all of that, what he did is he went to the desert for 40 days. And like to the desert 40 days, not eating. All right, so he fasted 40 days in the desert. That is suffering, right? I mean, hunger pains, all the, the just weariness, the uncomfortable realities of nowhere to lay your head, the, the pains of it all, the internal pains, the external pains, the, the realities he was tempted by Satan in the midst of all of that. It was in preparation for what was getting ready to come. It was through the pain of the desert that got him ready to go and change the world. He was showing us something. He was going, listen, I'm intentionally walking through this pain for the promise that is to come. There's a purpose behind it. It continued even if you think about Jesus and uh, Lazarus, and, and this is one of the most frustrating stories that you see is that Lazarus was a buddy of Jesus. They were friends, friends of Mary and Martha. And so Jesus gets word from uh, a messenger that says, hey, your buddy Lazarus is, is in serious bad health. He needs you to come back and needs you to rescue him. And you know what? Jesus intentionally takes his time and waits. So long so that Lazarus died for four days he was dead. And Jesus shows up. Mary and Martha, they've been crying this whole time. Jesus stops with Mary and weeps with her through the pain, through the struggle, and then goes and raises him from the dead. And you're going, why? Like, you didn't have to do that. But again, he was saying, listen, through this pain, through this grief, I'm gonna show you that I have power over death. There's a purpose to this pain you just experienced. It wasn't pointless. It was very much intentional because there was a purpose in the pain. 
that there was something behind it. There was a redemption that God could use even death and show you that there is more to it than that. And I think for the Jewish followers here, he's saying, I know you've been scattered. I know things seem bad. And I think for us in the room, he's saying, I know things have been bad. I know you've been through a lot. But, but there's a purpose in the pain. C.S. Lewis is an apologist, author, um, amazing man of God, and he had this to say about this reality of pain. He said, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. I love the way he put that. Because pain speaks loudly. And for, for some of us to grow complete and mature, not lacking of anything, it takes pain for us to walk through in order to get to that space. It requires us to get to this, this point in our life, this, this journey in our life to where we can hear and see and know that God is faithful despite the problems that are around. You see, there was a purpose to the pain, but it didn't stop there. James didn't end there. As he continued, he talked about speaking and praying for wisdom and God giving it to you. And then it arrives at this phrasing within James 1.12. Let's, let's jump into that together. Here comes the promise. So we talked about purpose, but here's the promise. He said, blessed is the one who perseveres. There's that word again, perseveres under trial. Because having stood the test that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. He was saying, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. So in other words, trial's coming, right? So, so it, it, it's coming, it's gonna happen. But he's saying that you need to persevere in that. Know that there's a purpose behind it and there's a promise through it. He's saying, listen, even in the midst of the trial, even if this goes badly for you, there's a crown of life awaiting you. There's more than what meets the eye. And our God is a God of promises, promises made and promises kept. And what James is screaming out to us here is like, this will change things for you. If in the midst of your pain, you can see that there's a purpose, a God who has the ability to make ugly things beautiful and that there is a promise beneath and around it all, that he hasn't left you or forsaken you, but actually there is a, a crown of life of eternity awaiting you, no matter how this trial goes. There's a possibility for joy to be found in that. There's a possibility of knowing that this, what feels is binding you and holding you back is actually your father saying, trust me, there's more than what you know at this point or you can understand. So right now, even though it feels like I'm bounding you down, what I'm doing is holding you still so you can get the medicine you need to become the person that you need to become, to make the impact in this world that you need to make. And he's whispering in your ear, I promise you, this is for your good and for my glory. Trust me. Book of Hebrews um, has a lot of similar conversations and words that, that speaks to this difference of perspective that shift changes that happens within purpose and promise. And, and this is what happens in Hebrews 12. One, the author uh, mentions in Hebrews 11, an example of all these people that persevered with faith under trial. He mentions all the Old Testament guys that, that stood the test of time and were willing to stay faithful to God through it all. And then he says this following that. 
There we go. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, looking back at the history of people who have remained faithful through the pain, he said, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. There's that word again, perseverance. So let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. There's a purpose in this. There's a promise in this. Let's run with perseverance through the pain. Continues, and this is the shift in perspective. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. You're saying, you think all those guys are good at faith? There's a pioneer and a perfecter that we fix our eyes on. This changes perspective for everything. He said, this is the way Jesus did it, all right? You wanna, wanna follow somebody? Follow Jesus in this. He said, for the joy set before him, Jesus, the joy set before him, he endured the pain, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So he's saying, if you wanna have joy in pain, do it like Jesus did, because Jesus knew the purpose and Jesus knew the promise. And that shifted our perspective to focus on Jesus through it. Because if Jesus could look at the joy set before him, because what he was getting ready to endure on the cross was worse. It was bad. It would be very bad what he was going to endure. My sin, your sin on that cross, he was going to endure for us that he did not deserve, wrongfully put on him, but rightfully made through him. And for us to look at this and go, man, if you want to have joy and pain, then look at Jesus, fixing our eyes on him. And he goes on, consider him, Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Don't give up, persevere, keep going, don't lose it. There can be joy found in pain when you see that there's a purpose in it, a promise through it, and a perspective shifted to focus on Jesus. This is the answer. Now, I was thinking that for some of us in this room, this is hitting very heavy. This is a heavy message, right? I mean, this is tough. Um, this is hard. And, and I know for some of us, though, we haven't really experienced much yet. There's some younger folks maybe that you haven't had the pain that I'm talking about that can really make you question things. And for them, I was thinking about this. I was like, I know for my kids, the worst thing that's happened so far for my kiddos is that their the phone died and they couldn't use their smartphone anymore, right? They, 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 their game died, their game system died, and so they couldn't use it anymore. And that was like suffering, like, woe is me, why God, why, right? You've seen that, right? <laughs> and so it made me think about another visual, for those that need kind of a visual learning um, about this illustration that affected me years ago, that, that really made an impact. See, uh, if, if you uh, are of a certain age, you'll know what this is. If you're younger than that certain age, then you'll have no idea what this is, which is pretty funny. Uh, do you guys remember uh, this uh, right here? You remember that? Anybody? Anybody remember that? Yep. Okay, I asked some 20-something. Uh, I'm looking at the 20-somethings uh, over there, and they're like, uh, what? Like, it's squiggly lines. Got it. That's awesome. Great visual. This is awesome. No. Um, so uh, back before we had cell phones, we, we used to go to these places called the mall. They used to have them back in the day. It was the weirdest thing. Uh, they had shops and stores. It was all over. In fact, that's where you had to go if you wanted to get things. It was the weirdest thing. Um, and then secondly, we didn't have cell phones or smartphones at the time, um, or even cell phones, depending on the time. Um, so what they would do is in these malls, they would put these pictures up that would uh, look like this. And uh, you would see us, as here now adults, would be standing in the mall looking cross-eyed going like this. And for 
10 minutes. We'll just be standing in the mall doing that. That, that was, there we go. That was fun. You want to talk about suffering? That was suffering. So that's what we did. Like, this is the way we do it. And there is, believe it or not, there is actually an image here that would be 3D that will come out to you. If you, get your, if you get it right, there's actually a message within this that you can't see unless you do it right. Because here's the thing. If you focus on this mess, you will never see the message. The way that you can actually solve this is by fixing your eyes beyond the mess. If you can fix your focus beyond the mess, suddenly the image, the purpose, the message comes to life. Now, because y'all will be trying this and can't do it and it gets frustrating, I'll make you go home and do it. And I'm not even going to tell you what it says. You're going to have to go home and figure it out. So instead, I'm going to show you something else. <laughs> You're welcome. This picture here. Was the reason why this picture matters so much to me is that um, this this took place in 2019, and it was the last photo of a special moment for us. Uh, it was me and my wife. We were at a wedding. Uh, some friends of ours got married, and um, friends of the family, and we just loved them, and it was a great, great day. And we laughed, and we danced, and we sang, and it was a blast. We had so much fun. There was just so much laughter between me and my wife that night, um, and it was just a great, great day. This was the last photo uh, before we found out that she had stage three uh, breast cancer. That was our last photo. But the reason why this matters so much to me is because in this moment, there was a joy taking place. We were really happy. It was a really fun night, and we had a lot of joy. We had no idea that the next day, what was going to come was going to rock our world. And so when I talk about pain, I'm not talking about some theoretical thing. I'm talking about, yeah, the pain of knowing whether or not you're, and seeing your wife go through treatment. And listen, I'm not going to lie to you that, like, initially, I'm just like, consider it pure joy. This is awesome. What a great day. Tomorrow, I hope there's more cancer. Let's go. Like, that's, that's not it. Like, that was not it. Like, so if we're honest, like, there were some tough days. Um, I remember I took this photo uh, of my wife when she was in the chemo chair. And, and because my glowing wife in stretches and places of that time early on, we struggled. And by the way, if I took a picture of me in this moment, it would have been much worse. The reality is, is that even though we, we knew the same things, we knew the promises of God, we, we knew the words of God, we were having a hard time in that moment thinking, man, is, is there any possible way that joy could be found in this? But then she helped lead me to seeing purpose and reminding me of the promises of God. And things began to change. See, we had no idea that in the midst of this suffering, that God would use this to start making impacts. My wife was interviewed by the Reader's Digest. She was on podcasts. She had hundreds and hundreds of people flocking to her website and to her, uh, her Facebook page to try to understand why she has joy in the midst of cancer and COVID. Interviewed at one of our top hospitals in the country, figuring out what is it about you? Why is it that you in the midst of these trials can find hope? And I, I'm hearing her on this, on this uh, talking to this interview and she's going, well, what do I tell them? I was like, just tell them the truth. And she was like, 
I, I have joy because of who God is and what he is in my life. And I don't know how this is all going to go, but I know who's holding me along the way. And she's beginning to remind people of the promises of God and the purposes of God and that God's not finished writing her story yet. And, and the joy that I saw, that you saw in that girl in that picture beforehand could not compare to the joy of the girl that I began to see coming alive in her, seeing her come alive in the midst of cancer and pain. That the girl that I knew before does not compare to the girl that I know now. That through the midst of struggles and cancer and pain, there was a radiating joy coming from her. And it was because she knew, she did, we didn't know what the purpose was, but we both told each other, who do you think it's gonna be? And we go, I don't know. Who do you think it's gonna be? I don't know. You were going, what are you talk, who are you talking about? We knew that someone, because of the way that she endured this trial, was going to come to know Jesus. We just didn't know who. And we didn't know how many. And still to this day, lives are being impacted. She's making a difference in people's lives day after day because of the trial, because of the pain. Now, if you ask me, Brian, would you do it all over again? Uh-uh. I ain't mature enough yet, but I can tell you that I've seen it. I can look at it now and go, okay, God, I see what you were doing. I, I see it now. I understand. I don't like it, but I can find joy in it because I know who you are. I know you got a plan, and I know your promises, and you don't break promises. And shift my perspective to fixing your eyes on Jesus, to look beyond the mess and realize there's more to come from this than the mess that I'm looking at right now. There is more to be reminded of. There's more to cling to than what problem lays directly in our face. And so here's some of the promises we would remind each other along the way. I just wanted to leave you with this in the midst of, if you're in pain today, if you're in the midst of a season and a trial, there's, and I've met some of you guys this week who have lost someone or just recently got a diagnosis. And I just wanted to, with you guys in my heart and on my mind and those in Florida and the rest around the world that need to know it, just reminders of the promises made by God. I just want this to just wash over you today. Our God promises to remember you. The time in which you're thinking, God, do you even see me? He remembers you. He wants to hold your hand in the midst of the trials. He listens to your voice. He hears you. He goes before you. He goes behind you. This reminder back and forth for me and Steph was like, he's ahead of us. He's already at the doctor's appointment. He's already at the surgery. He already knows how this is going to go. He's inviting us to walk with him through the process. That promise was so profound for us. He watches over us. He's behind us. He's before us. He's over it all. Continues. He loves me. He protects me. He provides unceasing help for me. He heals me. 
He works in unknown ways in these situations. Many times we go, we don't know. We don't know how he's going to use it, but we know he can, and we know he will. And he repairs a place for us. Promises made, promises kept, a purpose in the pain, a shift in our perspective to fixing our eyes on Jesus. I started the story, and I know a lot of us are maybe this is hitting close to home, and so I just wanted to tell you the conclusion of that story with me and my daughter after I wrapped her up and I was over her. She, the medicine began to work, and she began to calm down. And she initially, when I put her down, she was blood red in the face and profusely sweating and just crying to the point where she's no longer making noise. Like she's just, and in a moment, she just, calmed down for a second and she was facing away from me and she turned back to her daddy and she went and as a daddy this girl that I was wrestling for 10 minutes just fighting and she's throwing her head back and thinking I'm the enemy I put her down She's able to breathe, and in a moment, she just went, okay, where do I want to be? In my daddy's arms. So I'm thankful to say I'm still the favorite. <laughs> and you are still God's favorite. And for some of us, it's just time for us to turn around. Go, God, I've been fighting you. and dog. I pray that God gives that to you today. Because the same God in the midst of your pain that you're in right now was willing to take all of your pain and suffering on the cross that you and I deserved because he loves you that much. His arms was held out long before ours were. Let's remember that as we proceed faithfully in perseverance with the purpose, the promises made, and the change in perspective. Let's pray together. God, I come to you now as a, God, remembering my daughter and just knowing that right now, God, you are a father that desperately wants your children to turn back to you. That right now, through pain or struggles or trials, we maybe have scattered or ran, or maybe we're coming back or listening online. And right now, you're speaking through your spirit to us and reminding us that you are with us. That there was a purpose in whatever we'd been through and that, that purpose ultimately was for us to cling to your purposes and your plans, to remember your promises and to shift our perspective to fixing our eyes on you, that you are the author and perfecter of our faith and for the joy set before you endure the cross, scorning its shame and now are on the right hand of God. And Lord, I pray that in the midst of our trials, that we could find joy found, not in the pain, but in the promise of you being our Savior, with us and through it, able to redeem. And for that, Lord, we thank you. It's your name we pray. Amen. One way that our Savior, Jesus, wanted us to be remembered of his promises was by communion. And so I'm going to invite you now to take communion with us um, 
if you forgot this cup, there's um, some ushers that'd be happy to bring you one. So just raise your hand and they bring it to you. With his, um, he knew the trials in which all the disciples were going to go through and he wanted them to remember and he wanted all of his believers to remember that when he says he loves you and he's with you in the pain, he follows through. And so he said to take a little piece of bread, which you can peel off the top layer. And this bread was just to be a reminder that his body that was broken for us because he loves us. Let's do this in remembrance of him. And then he said, take of this juice and likewise. Remember my blood that was poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's do that together. Jesus, we come before you now remembering remembering that your promise to us and the crown of life was made on that cross. And through whatever, whatever we're going through right now, that you never leave us or forsake us, but you're with us even in the pain and the problems. And for that, Lord, we thank you for the reminder. We do this in remembrance of you. In Jesus' name we pray.